We will do this from reverse uh, reverse draft. So in other words, that's how we've been doing them. We've done every division so far. And uh, we will start with the Atlanta Falcons, who have a 30 to 1 odds to win the NFC, 60 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl, the number four overall pick in the draft, along with number 35 and 68. Those are their top three draft picks. Free agents, a bit of a concern here Alex Mack, a big one. Keanu Neal, Stephen Means, Ricardo Allen, Todd Gurley, Darkes, Denard, and Young Hoku, to name a couple. Uh, Sully, you were charged with, uh, presumably, writing the article for this. Otherwise, yes. you would. I don't know why they would have stuck you on this podcast without that. Uh, what is your what was your biggest priority for the Falcons this offseason? Well, before we just get into, you know, each team and all that, I do think that this is the great example of how crazy an offseason can get when you look at this division. I mean, if we were sitting here a year ago saying that if a team was going to win the Super Bowl out of the AFC South, we'd all pick the New Orleans Saints. NFC South, but yes. NFC South, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you know, fine. Uh, all of a sudden, everything goes by. Tom Brady signs. Everybody comes out of retirement. Gronk, Antonio Brown comes to play, and boom, they're hoisting a Lombardi trophy, something we wouldn't have seen coming this time last year. So I just do think it's pretty crazy, you know, and this division is, is one of the key examples of it. But to me, just looking at the Falcons, I mean, they are fascinating with the number four overall pick in, in, in the fact that you just don't know which way they're going to go. I mean, presumably, and I think a lot of a lot of the mock drafts, I, I know Wilson's got a couple that have them going with the quarterback, maybe Mac Jones, but they could go in so many different ways here. I mean, I mean, you look at the the edge, you know, you look at the last last draft, the first two rounds, they addressed cornerback and they addressed edge. Both those picks didn't really pan out as well as they wanted to. So you almost wonder, do they go back into the well and maybe try to figure out the edge rushers? Because, again, they, they not only spent a second-round pick at that position, but they also went into free agency last year and, and threw a ton of money at Dante Fowler, and it just didn't really pan out. So I almost wonder, do they go, you know, top defensive player? Do they try to find a corner? You know, you can you can go in a different a couple of different areas there with the number four overall pick if you're going to commit to Matt Ryan and that whole regime going forward. It's interesting because, you know, the – Thomas Dimitrov was the GM there for a really long time. Yeah, like he took over. You know, it was 2011 his first draft, or he he had he been there? Was he? I know Matt Ryan was his first pick. Yes, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right. Guy's been there forever. Um, and as yeah, because he came in there with Smitty. What am I talking about? 2011. So yeah, Matt Ryan was his first pick, and now, now I'm now I'm getting like I'm paranoid that I've got my years all screwed up. Uh, no, it's 2008. So he's there from 2008 to 2020. I mean, that is an insanely long time. long time for a general manager in the NFL. Really, his last few drafts, I mean, Calvin Ridley, I think we can say was a very good player, is a very yep. good player. Yep. Awesome player. Yep. You know, no, no, he's a number two wide receiver, and you have to figure out what, what's the deal is with Julio Jones, um, you know, how long he'll be with the team, presumably through the rest of his Falcons tenure, but we'll see. But like around that, you know, A.J. Terrell – or AJ Terrell, who's you know rookie cornerback, too early to, to to say anything definitive about him. He had some good moments. He had some really bad moments. He's also not CD Lamb, who a lot of people thought that they could have taken in that spot just to bolster the offense. And then Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry the previous year, like, and then and then to Karis McKinley in 2017 before the Ridley pick. Just looking at first round picks, I mean these guys Ridley, McGarry, Lindstrom, and AJ Terrell have to be impact guys in 2021 I think if the Falcons want to contend for the division title or anything beyond and it does feel like even with the number four pick that's what they're trying to do here right yeah and to me you know like you said 
the secondary to me seems like it's it's going to be the biggest issue there. You know, Terrell, he, he was the you know first round pick and all that. And again, like you said, you can't judge really anything coming off of his rookie year. But when he was targeted, quarterbacks did have a 109.6 passer rating against him. Like that's that's not what you're looking for in a first round pick. Right. And in this secondary, we're not talking about a secondary that's kind of like on the come or, or, or what have you, however you want to describe it. They allowed the most passing yards in the NFL last year. I mean, th this is a, a unit that was essentially rock bottom. So, you know, you would like to see them maybe bring in another impact player. I don't know how many times you keep going to the well, because clearly you're kind of missing something there. And, and with Matt Ryan getting to a point in his career where he is, you have to start saying like, are we going to have a, a high of, high of pick as, as this ever again? You know, we don't know if we're going to get inside the top five. And that's right where you find those franchise quarterbacks. So it's an interesting balance here when you determine, okay, are we going to go in a completely different direction and kind of at least have the conversation of beginning the new era at quarterback? Or do we continue to add to the Matt Ryan era? And that would be on the defensive side. No, it's, it's a great point. It's like, it, and that is the first decision. I think from what I understand, and I, I could be wrong, but this is just sort of what I gather, you know, is the Falcons believe they can win this year. Arthur Smith wants to win with Matt Ryan, took the job in part because of Matt Ryan and because he's really uncuttable this season. Now, this doesn't preclude them from drafting a quarterback, but, and I agree with you, like if you're at five and you think that, um, you know, Trey Lance is the guy for the long haul. That's someone you should draft at five, or excuse me, four. Is it four, four or five? Four. four. Yeah, 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 four. yeah. Four. If you're at four, you draft him at four and you stash him behind Matt Ryan for two years. Or if you think Justin Fields is definitely the guy, then grab him and stash him behind Matt Ryan for a year or two years or whatever it is. Um, but I, I think that for Atlanta, that is the number one, you know, when you start doing these decision, you know, like life decisions. Right. You know, it's path yeah. one, path A or path B. Th that's it. It's it's how long are we going with Matt Ryan? And and, and, to, and like you said, it's the contract, too. You're not really making any decisions for 2021. 2021, Matt Ryan's on the roster. Here. Same thing with Julio Jones, really, too. Both those guys are pretty locked in for next season. And, you know, next offseason, you could start to have those conversations. I believe the dead money, you know, starts to go down in both those contracts. So, you know, right now, the face, quote-unquote, of the Atlanta Falcons is going to largely remain the same. Yeah. But this is the offseason where you start having that conversation of looking at ourselves in the mirror. Who are we? Where are we going? And you're sitting there at number four. And if, you know, like, like Wilson's been saying, he's been really high on Mac Jones. If you feel like... Matt Ryan, he's the perfect successor to, to Matt Ryan. Like, you know, there you go. You, you you won't get that high again, or at least you can't bank on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree at all. And so I guess there is technically a third choice. You can, you know, say we're going with Matt Ryan, but we're also drafting a successor. Sure, sure. My, again, my sense of it is that what Atlanta wants to do, or what Arthur Smith wants to do, is come into this year with Matt Ryan, win games and and I, I think it's actually smart because if you win games in your first year as a head coach you build up the sort of cachet that allows you to then reboot the franchise with another quarterback option or maybe you say you know what Matt Ryan we're going to give you a two-year extension and we'll see how this is going because it's not like Matt Ryan sucks no, so no, no no so I think that's what they ultimately have to figure out is what what do we think about these quarterbacks and if we're not in love with one that we're going to get it for you know, if we if we don't love anybody past Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, then we start to identify can we trade down or are there some some defensive pieces that we can pick up? Because frankly, the you know the Falcons are not in in good salary cap space, and 
even more concerning is that if you look at their cap table, it's hard to find any salary cap room. It's tough. I mean, it's really tough. Like, so they're 15. I use spot track. Some people use over the cap. I just find spot track to be more appealing. I use it too. I'm, I'm the same. Aesthetically I, I the pleasing. Same yeah. Yes. They're both, yes. they're both really good. I'm a very simple person. I just need it to look okay. <laughs> I, I, I like, I find, I, I need familiar to my eyeballs is key. That's why I hate Stathead, what Pro Football Reference did. It's like, I can't, yeah. I don't want to learn something new. I don't want to train myself. I got enough, I got enough crap going on in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Grady Jarrett, and Jake Matthews who are the top four salary cap hits on the roster account for $83 million. That is a substantial chunk of change. I mean, that is 50 plus percent. Is that right? Is that 50 plus percent? It has to be. Yeah. Close, close to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for their cap hits, it's, maybe it's more than that. It's what, 63, uh, 64. Yeah. 64, 85, 105. Excuse me, I did terrible math. $105 million. In cap space, that's yeah. So you're doing the, you're doing the actual math. That is more than fifty percent of the salary cap that is accounting for four players, and you can't really do anything with them outside of restructuring them. Dante Fowler, as you point out, you know maybe he could be a post June one cut. That's you still don't, that salary cap space doesn't help you until June first. And you this know? would make a little bit more sense um, under the previous regime, obviously with New England connections. But in, you know, I've been on here a bunch. I'm, I'm I'm in the New England area. I'm, I'm just outside of Boston. Cover the Patriots a lot. Jason Lock and Four even reported this. You know, I believe it was well, when you're listening to this. It was today when we were recording this. And you know, it's that a lot of GMs feel like Stefan Gilmore. It's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be traded. Has a super super low contract. I think it's like seven million dollars mm. base salary in 2021. Is this a scenario where you're looking at maybe an Atlanta where the New England wants to move up to inside the top five to get after a quarterback? Do you attach a corner like Stefan Gilmore to help a major need in the immediate for 2021 and 2022 if you can get into an extension and you get down to number 15? So that, you know, there are some options here for Atlanta where there's other, and that's just one example, but there are a bunch of these teams where you can say, hey, listen, you have a piece that we need for the here and now. You're kind of, you know, in the middle, top, you know, middle, upper first round, and we'll try to come back at you. So to me, I think that they're in a position of power. It just depends on which way they want to go with that number one, number four overall pick. That's where it kind of starts there. I mean, if I'm the Falcons and I'm trying to win in 2021, I would trade five for 15 in Stephon Gilmore. I think that that would make sense for both sides. Now, again, the issue, like, you, you, I mean, I don't know how, how hard you dove into the cap situation. I, the cap's I, tough. The cap's I'm tough. trying to find space. Where, where are they getting space? So, I, as, as when I wrote the story, because I have the story up in front of me, I think I wrote it, uh, it was like, you know, end of last week. So, you know, things change or whatever. Sure. But they were like 26th in the NFL in space, and they're in the negative. And it's, they're like you said. They're $15 million dollars not, in the negative right now if the cap is 186. And that's not a guarantee. Like, nah. we, we still don't really have a ton of clarity. We know that at the minute the floor is going to be 180, but that's about all we know as of as of right now. So to me, it is going to be difficult to, as to how they kind of maneuver these things. So you know, could it be something on the lines of a, a, a Matt Ryan extension or you know something? I don't know. I'm just trying to go after certain ways, but it's very difficult for Atlanta to figure it out. I mean, it's insanely difficult. Like you start to look around at these contracts, there's not. You can't cut it, you know, so once you get past those top four guys, then you get to Dante Fowler at 
0.54. You can cut him now and save, you know, three and change million. But then you then I guess you could. Can you later go back and designate him a June one cut? How do I not know that? Uh, that is a little bit above my pay grade. Yeah, I have to look at. It. Anyway, I'll. I should have looked that up. But the point being is that you're not going to get that space till June first anyway, and you got to be exactly. cap compliant by the start of the new league year. So it's a route like you're not getting ten million dollars in salary cap space from Dante Fowler alone. Deion Jones, you could cut and save less than a million dollars, although it would go up to another eight million dollars post June one. These contracts, who I mean, James Carpenter, you can cut and save four million dollars. They're not an enviable position. I mean, it this is, is it the is. Case is, it's a case with a lot of these teams, but Atlanta, when you really start to get down on the nuts and bolts of it, they do get stuck a little bit. But, like, I don't know how they're getting under the cap. It has to be restructures of, the, of these top guys. And once you do that, then you're almost pushing, you know, you give Matt Ryan more cash now, but you're, you're sort of committing to him a little bit more in the, in the short term or you give Coolidge. I mean, both those guys would probably take more cash now. So yeah. it could work. It almost seems like it has to be a restructure situation for Atlanta, or they pray the cap goes spiking up, and and then you you know you look for some relief in June. So I, I think that's really like their number one priority here for me this offseason is got to get under the cap, got to figure out what your long term plan with the quarterback situation is, and then got to figure out how to get impact defensive players in the door without having any money. I, I mean, am I missing something? I, I don't. I would love this team to be a contender next year and would sort of be targeting them, except for the fact that it's just hard. They're so stars and scrubsy that if Lindstrom and McGarry don't take a huge step forward, they have to replace Alex Mack at center. Lindstrom and McGarry need to take a big step forward as, as linemen, and you need to get the most out of your offense and then just get pray that your defense is somehow magically good, even though it probably won't be. Right. It's it's not again like I said not an enviable position. You are banking on and, and again this is another scenario where maybe you are looking at maybe you're looking at number four as um, a way to collect you know maybe not a guy like Stephon Gilmore that I that I brought up but maybe it's we're sprinkling down for a ton of draft picks collect up as many rookie contracts as we can where you're getting these guys on the cheap and that's where you're kind of finding value at number four you're not necessarily finding the the blue chip player at the position or you're bringing the blue chip player in that's a veteran but you're giving yourself that much needed cap relief you know it's it's not the most exciting way to do it but it might be the only way that they're kind of able to figure this thing out i mean what are these like what are like the jet what are the falcons blogs saying like, like what, I mean, what are the falcons beat reporters saying about this i haven't really read a whole lot of it it's like what do you do like I just don't – I mean, I look at it, and I'm like, am I missing something? Is it, I don't know. It looks like it's going to be tough. The good thing is if Jacksonville takes Trevor Lawrence and the Jets take Zach Wilson and the Dolphins are, I mean, presumably taking Panay Sewell at that point in time, maybe. I mean, who knows? Maybe. Maybe. If they get locked into that, then Atlanta's got a very nice leverage point where people will try to get above the Panthers, the Lions, and the Eagles in order to get a quarterback. So – I don't know. This is a tough spot for Atlanta. Boy, I mean, good luck. Terry Fontenot, you got your, uh, your, your, your work cut out for you. The Panthers, 25 to 1 to win the NFC, the 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Better odds than the Falcons, their top three draft picks, number eight, number 39, number 73. Top free agents, Taylor Moton, who seems like a pretty good franchise tag candidate. John Miller, Chris Reed, Rasul Douglas, Curtis Samuel, Mike Davis, and Russell Okun. When you look at Carolina, uh, what are what are your top priorities here? 
I mean, I think tight end's probably the biggest one, but you know, in, in terms of just that they got no production really from that position in, in 2020 on the offensive side. But to me, you know, again, and I, I keep, you know, I, I don't want to keep going back to quarterbacks, but no, it, I was going to do it. If you did back, like, like it's everything it's, I hear is that David Tepper wants to, and I keep mentioning his giant brass testicles that he kept on his desk at Appaloosa trading, but he did. He, he had a, he had a hedge fund company with giant, a, a giant pair of brass balls that he left on his desk. That's not a subtle, you know, like it's not wow, a subtle message. You don't have that on your desk? I, yeah. I have it right over here. It's, it's yeah, ready I, to go. I got a, I got a <laughs> Philip Rivers doll. I guess it says a lot about, you know, like it, like it says a lot about us. Like we should have brass balls out there. But the, right. my point being is that anybody who operates business like that is going to be aggressive. And this is a crazy quarterback market. And everything you hear coming out of Carolina is that David Tepper wants one of these quarterbacks, whether it was Matthew Stafford at first, now Deshaun Watson, you know, Russell Wilson, not on, you know, Panthers not on his list, but I have to think they'd be interested. And so I think you're right. That is, what are they going to do at quarterback? That is the ultimate question because Teddy Bridgewater, not the answer. To me, it, it, again, it comes down to where they're going to be at number eight. And can they use that in, in what way can they use that asset? And are they going to use it for a guy like Trey Lance that falls to them, Justin Fields, and they kind of really restart the quarterback position? Or like JLC has talked about, you've talked about it on here a bunch, are they going to go all in on Deshaun Watson? And then does all of a sudden that make a guy like Teddy Bridgewater available? Because I don't think that the Texans, if they get no, I don't think they would want Teddy Bridgewater. Like if they're going to get the number eight pick, they're probably using it on a Fields or a Lance or, or somebody like that. And do all of a sudden you have Teddy Bridgewater now as, a, as an asset. You start building this way. I, I know there was a report earlier this week that the 49ers were calling about Teddy Bridgewater. And do they now get interested because they want to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo or add him to that equation, whatever the case may be. There's another asset coming in to Carolina to help improve this team going into 2021. So to me, it begins and ends at the quarterback position and what they want to do with that number eight pick, whether it's for Watson or to bring in a rookie there. Outside of that, I think on the offensive side of the ball, like I said, tight end, you didn't really get much of anything there. I think that if they are able to, you're a player for John U. Smith. You're a player for Hunter Henry. If you can, if you can go after a guy like that, because you already do have decent amount of pass catchers at the receiver spot, you're probably going to lose Curtis Samuel in free agency. But tight end is a position that I think should be key focus there, especially if you're going to get one of these rookie guys who love to throw to tight ends early on. And then just quickly on the defensive side of the ball, I, maybe a couple of pass rushers or a pass rusher or something to help continue to replace Luke Keekley. This team ranked, I think it was 24th in the NFL last year in sack percentage. Yeah. So to me, you know, that that's one that really needs to keep focus. Yeah. I mean, I would say that with Carolina, they do need, you got to figure out what you're going to do with the quarterback first, because it, it does dictate everything else. Like exactly. if yeah. you're trading and I do think, I think the Texans might take Teddy Bridgewater back just as like a, let's have somebody to put in place here. Um, but you know, they, there's, there's rumors. They want Brian Burns. If, if, if there's a trade that, that involves the Panthers. And so if that's the case, and all of a sudden you have more sack production to like your number one elite, would be elite edge rusher is suddenly gone. I think defensively they feel like they're in a pretty good spot. I don't, I don't, not that I'm saying they won't add guys. I don't foresee this Panthers team making a big splash on the defensive side of the ball. If only because they literally used every one of their draft picks yeah. 
on def- the defensive side of the ball. Yetter Gross Mottos flashed last year. Derek Brown looked great. Brian Burns has flashed. Shaq Thompson, the veteran there, the only guy left, I think, from the 2015 um, uh, Super Bowl run. They need some help on the back end for sure, so that wouldn't be surprising. But Jeremy Chin looks freaking awesome. Chin, Chin was great. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he could have been defensive player, defensive rookie of the year if not for uh, Chase Young. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they shore up the back end a little bit, but I think they feel pretty good about where they are on defense. And then, you know, offensively, it, it, I think you tag Taylor Moten because yep. you've got to get some – you know, you're looking at losing four or five offensive linemen. Well, this is the other thing I was going to bring up. Like, if you go after Deshaun Watson – are you just going to follow in the footsteps of the Houston Texans and put nobody in front of them to, to protect them? Like you, you do have to yep. start putting a wall in front of them. Cause that's the one or not the one thing, but that was one of the things he was lacking for the most part in his career. I don't think he wants to relive that in, in Carolina. No, I mean, that's the concern. Uh, Prisco and I were talking about this on yesterday's pod, just mentioning Watson is like, if you trade away three first round picks and you don't have an offensive line in Carolina, and then you suddenly have Deshaun Watson, are you just the Texans? Yes. You know, like, you don't want to just be the Texans. <laughs> You're like the Texans without Hopkins, you, you know, and or I guess the Texans last year. DJ Moore has a contract. His contract's coming up, you know, pretty soon. Fifth year option, of course, but you got to you got to worry about that. I think Curtis Samuel and Prisco and I mentioned this, too, so I don't want to beat it to a, a pulp, but like feels like he's going to go to Jacksonville and, and play for Urban Meyer. I mean, it's I, maybe that's too simplistic to connect these Ohio State guys and free agency to Urban Meyer, but it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, but even still, you know, whether it's Jacksonville or wherever, I think he's – I think last year really – I mean, he's – He's going to get between but 13 and $17 million a year. He's going to get paid. Yeah. He's going to get paid. And, and, and people who me, scoff at that, Jarvis Landry gets 15. And I – Right. Know, so it's and not he showed crazy. a lot of versatility in 2020 coming out of the backfield. I mean, yep. he's shown it throughout the course of his career, but like a lot more in 2020, at least how I felt and how yep. I've seen it. You know, so to me, he's a clear guy that once – you know, wherever guys get tagged or not, but like Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, once those guys come off the table, whoever is that team that struck out, they're going to go hard at, at Chris, uh, at Curtis Samuel. I mean, I don't think it would be crazy if Curtis Samuel is not looking for an insane contract. He's only 24. I don't think it's crazy to suggest he signs before Juju Smith-Schuster. If Juju's trying to break the bank in a low salary cap year and Curtis Samuel will take $13 million a year from some, you know, three years, 13 million or something like that and, and go really get paid. I mean, he's a second round pick who doesn't have a, a huge history of production and is going to get a chance to test free agency. And there are some teams who need wide receivers out there with cap space. So, yeah, I think quarterback position, figure out the offensive line. And there's a lot of dominoes with that quarterback position. So like, you know, asterisk applied, but this Carolina team can be frisky again they're just going to need to make sure that that, again, that offensive line has to be better. Do you think that the last, you know, I don't want to say worst case scenario, but the last possible option for them at number eight is to go non quarterback. Like, do you see them in a world where they get Kyle Pitts like at number yeah, eight oh, yeah. and, they just, I, and they just go that route? I don't think that they will. Now I could be wrong here. I don't think they will take a quarterback at eight just to take a quarterback. Like, I don't think they'll just take Trey Lance because he's there or take Justin Fields because he's there or take Mac Jones because he's there. You would hope they wouldn't. Now, if they like the guy, by all means, pull on him. But I think they're more likely to say, okay, like, Sully, this is why I think they signed Teddy Bridgewater as a way of saying, this gives us time to make a rational decision about the position. Now, Deshaun Watson, everything's out the window when he's available. That's, you're no longer making, you know, 
rational decisions. You're you're throwing your brass bees on the table and, and saying, give me Watson for whatever it costs. But I do think from the draft perspective, their plan all along has been to have Teddy Bridgewater there as sort of the stopgap that, you know, worst case scenario, you, you play three years with Teddy Bridgewater and you're, you know, a, a eight to nine when, you know, you get to an eight, seven, eight, nine win team by the time he leaves and you can, you've got enough pieces around where you can drop the quarterback in. Right. Because to me, I, I just get to, to a point now where there's so much heat and there's so much smoke around Deshaun Watson where, and it just doesn't feel like the Texans are budging at the moment. Now things go out the window when you get closer to the draft. We're not even at the start of free agency. Yeah, but things like can heat up. But like I could so see that situation bleeding into training camp, and we're still sitting here talking about what are they going to do? Well, if, but if you're the Panthers or any other team that's considering Deshaun Watson, can you really afford to go through the full machination of free agency and the draft process without knowing who your quarterback is? Like. I get look if you get to if you get to May you get to June, and Deshaun Watson's still available and you can pull the trigger, buy, you know, do it. Like he's Deshaun Watson. Sure. You're not going to sure. get many looks at that, but it's like, do you can you really can you really afford to build out your team with two, with two contingencies in mind? To me, that feels like really dangerous, bad football business. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like it's the smart decision there. To me, I just they're a fascinating team because you know they're one of those who if you if you do land the guy, things can change rather quickly as we've seen in this division. Absolutely, and then Tom Brady's you know only got 10, 15 more years left. Uh, sure. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the New Orleans Saints. Okay, so New Orleans. What a what a situation. They are 20 uh you know, I haven't been given the cap space on these guys. So my apologies. The Panthers have uh by my count 20 oh no, excuse me, that's the Texans. The Panthers have 37 million dollars in cap space. We mentioned them before the break. Just want to get that out there. Uh and then the New Orleans Saints who, you know, had a had a good season, but I think would probably classify it as disappointing because they didn't make the Super Bowl and drew what we think is Drew Brees' final year. Uh as of Tuesday afternoon, no word on Breeze. I'm sure it'll come sooner rather than later. Uh, but the Saints are 9-1 to one to win the NFC still with no quarterback. 18-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. Top three draft picks, number 28, number 60, and number 124. There's some big-name free agents out there. Marcus Williams, Trey Hendrickson, Jared Cook, Alex Anzalone. And their salary cap, I think. Think it's the worst in the league? It has to be the worst in the league. When I when I did it, it was last in the league. When well, it's negative sixty six million dollars. So <laughs> stands the reason. Hey, it stands the reason it might be the worst in the league. Um, I need to look. Spot track. Have they factored in Drew Brees's departure? Is Breeze, Breeze is just a free... No, okay, so, so he's so got... So Breeze restructured his deal yeah. a little bit to kind of give them some salary cap relief. In For the last anticipation, year. Right, but also, I believe he did it... The, the, was it last year or whatever, whatever it was, to, to anticipate a potential retirement. So right. you would think that that would, that would help, but it still doesn't look great. Well, so he's... If he's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not... He's not going to be 226 million. That's right. That's right. He tacked on the two. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot. He tacked on the two years, 2022 and 2023, which void, which was his way of saying, I'm not playing next year. Cause yeah. he would have a cap hit of just 12.2 to 12.23 million dollars. And then the dead cap. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically designed like Drew Brees is walking away. 
And yet we see videos of him pushing the sled halfway down the street. And we're like, what are you doing, Drew? It wouldn't be the end of the world for them if he had to come back, I guess. It wouldn't. But at the same time, you know, this is I, I do find it pretty interesting because, you know, again, I feel like we're talking about quarterbacks a ton. But like you you have a you have a I mean, listen, that's what's winning Super Bowls. You know, that's well, just, I mean, just the way it is. I mean, it's you're talking about the three. Th this division is very quarterback. There's a lot going on it's with the quarterback. quarterbacks in this division yes. right and, now. And yeah. so if, if all of a sudden, you know, you come out and you hear that, you know, we don't know what's happening with Russell Wilson in Seattle, but if there were going to be things that happens, he wouldn't mind going to New Orleans and playing with Sean Payton. And so if you're the Saints, you kind of got to know because you got to not only move some things around because you're in a terrible cap situation, but if, you know, one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL – is saying, hey, I want to come play for you, you kind of got to start moving heaven and earth to make that happen. And so if, and if you have Drew Brees kind of sitting there saying, I don't know, you, you're, in a, you're kind of putting yourself in, in a bad light there, especially when you're starting to get into free agency and, t and, you know, guys wanting to know, hey, who's your quarterback? How is this going to map out? Who am I, who, you know, is this a place where I can go and win a Super Bowl as, as it's kind of been perceived the past few years now? as this is a place where you can go and immediately contend. You don't know that right now because you don't know what's going on with Drew Brees, and so you don't know what's going on with that quarterback situation. Yeah, I think Brees, if he retires, maybe – I didn't even think about this, but well, they got to get cap compliant by the start of the league year anyway, which is going to be – I mean, good luck bananas. doing it. Yeah, I mean, the Saints – Mickey Loomis is as good at this as anybody you know, you've ever seen, along with, like, Les Snead, but – Presumably, they're going to cut Quan Alexander. That's $13 million there. I guess this is the question for you is like, what are the priorities here? Um, you would think that they're going to cut Janoris Jenkins. That's another $7 million. So that's $20 million bucks right there. Um, I, you know, I don't know what you do with Ryan Ramchick and Marshawn Lattimore. They total 20, 20, 21 and a half, 21 and a quarter million dollars in terms of salary cap space. You could, you know, those guys are long-term blue chip players, so you can sign them to long-term deals and have them, you know, you know, you're trying to be cap, you have to be cap compliant. You're trying to survive and win football games in 2021. So maybe you just take the L a couple of years down the road and get like a, get, you know, get them 10 million bucks, you know, one million, one and a half million dollar cap charges or something like that. Some and go cash heavy. I, I don't know exactly what they're playing with. That is uh, Emmanuel Sanders. They can cut and save another six and a half million dollars. So you can see it kind of coming together where it looks insane, but they're capable of doing a couple extensions, making some cuts. Um, and then all of a sudden they're a little bit closer and, you know, what, then the Breeze retirement saves you $10 million or something. You, know, it, you can see a pathway sort of to, to how this works, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. In, in terms of the needs, too, just to get back to it, I think it's probably more so on the defensive side of the ball. Again, you know, quarterback aside, you're looking at safety. You're looking along the defensive, you know, the front seven. To me, that's probably the number one's areas that you're looking at there like like you were saying like trey hendrickson is a guy that you could probably extend and, and, and feel good about it you know marcus williams is another one who i think is probably going to get paid pretty handsomely but you could see if you could figure out something there as well um sheldon rankins you know is, is another one who could you might be losing there as well so to me probably you know along the defensive line and in, in the safety spot are probably the two spots to me that you would want to attack at the draft, you know, cause you're getting some low cost guys, you know, preferably hot, you know, you're going to be at the bottom half of that first round. You can maybe see what falls to you there. That to me seems like the best course of action. 
Yeah, and you know, I was reading. I think there's an article. Uh, Nora Prinsati interviewed Jason Fitzgerald of Over the Cap, and he's like, "Yes, they are screwed because the cap, you know, plummeted, but they were already in, like they were already going to be in trouble anyway. They they are, and the Cowboys have done this for years too. It's sort of a all right, let's let's we're, you take your lumps. You, you're just trying to win now. You're trying to you're trying to, and it, maybe it cha- I don't know if it changes. I don't know if the calculus changes for them with Drew Brees gone. But for so long, they were thinking like, all right, this is the end of Breeze. And for the last five or six years, it's like, push it forward one more year. Let's run it back. Let's run it back. Let's run it back. And I, right. you know, I don't know how long you can do that. But I mean, well, New England ran into that last year. It was, you know, you had a ton of this dead cap money because you were going all in on Brady. And, you know, once he left, this is the kind of like the reset where, all right, you're going to have to start eating a lot of this. Now you can't no longer kind of tweak these deals. You, you are sitting with this dead money. So, you know, maybe that's something that you see here, too, with a team like New Orleans. Very similar situation. All-time franchise quarterback, one of the best that ever does it. You're trying to extend it as long as you can, but now that he's likely out the door, this is maybe when you take that, take your lumps and you're like, okay, this is kind of the reckoning, reckoning or the payback after all those years. Yeah, I mean, I, that wouldn't be stunning. I still think that Sean Payton looks – I think Sean Payton's too competitive – and oh, to sure. like, yeah, sure. and, and like, and I mean this as a compliment to friend of the podcast, Sean Payton, uh, who was on with us during the uh, Super Bowl week. But like, I think he's too—I don't want to—it's—I think he's too reckless to do it. And I mean that as someone who also like, I'm reckless as well. Like, if I were the Saints right now, I wouldn't be looking at this roster and be like, you know what? Let's just take the L. We're going to lose everybody. We're just going to lose a bunch of games. I'd be like, nah. We're going to figure out like we're going to cut these dudes. We're going to restructure these five guys. We're going to you know sign Jameis Winston to some deal that we convince him is team friendly and he's going to win and he'll get paid down the road and let's go try to win some football games this year and we'll just see what happens. I mean, they got a $16.2 million cap charge for freaking Taysom Hill. Like, what are we doing here? And that brings us up to a good spot here. If Breeze does walk away and, you know, let's just say they don't go completely all out for a guy like Russell Wilson, you are looking at Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill as your kind of combination there. And despite Taysom Hill starting when Breeze was out through the course of the 2020 season, it feels like they want to make Jameis, like if they're having to choose this offseason of who they're going to make the guy, it feels like they're going towards Jameis more so than Hill, even though Hill's on the roster. And if I'm Jameis, you know, I, I look at it from a standpoint of that's probably my best situation. Correct unbelievable offense, unbelievable weapons in Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, who you know are going to be there. Sean Payton, an offensive mind who, you know, is easy to put put up numbers. You're in a dome for half of your games. To me, that's a great place to resurrect your career, especially after being one year in the system. I, I don't see Winston looking at a, you know, for, you know, for any one of these teams, a Washington or, or, or whoever is looking for a quarterback and, and maybe could buy in on one of these guys. I don't know if I'm Jameis why I would want to go there. I would want to stay in New Orleans. So well, I almost think that you can get a lower lower term deal if you're the Saints for a guy like Winston. And if you're you go to Winston and his agent, you say, look, here's the deal. You know, there's there's not a big deal. You know, there's not a Teddy Bridgewater got paid last offseason because he played for the Saints. That deal isn't out there for Jameis Winston this offseason. I mean, the teams who need quarter like maybe if the Texans trade Deshaun, then something could happen. But I mean yeah, it doesn't seem like the Patriots are really a fit for Jameis Winston. That's not, you know, Bill Belichick's cup of tea, so to speak. And you start to really run through the list of teams, and there's maybe 
It's crazy because this has never been the case, really, in the history of football, or at least in the history of modern professional football. There's like three or four teams that could use a quarterback like Jameis Winston, who's a former Heisman-winning, number one overall pick, who's thrown for 30-plus touchdowns and granted 30 interceptions. It's it's just hard to if, – if I'm Jameis, I'm thinking, all right, my pathway to success or getting paid or, or, and or both is going back to New Orleans on a cheaper deal. So I think that your first move, if you're the Saints, is you get under the cap, you, you, you start slicing and dicing, you start restructuring, you figure out how to get Jameis in on a cheap deal, and then you say, all right, we have the semblance of stuff that we can make a run. Now, it's going to cost them. They're gonna, like, Trey Hendrickson is gone. I mean, that's a guy they drafted in the third round, I believe, who's a really good pass rusher, and he's they just can't afford to keep him. Um, it's, tough. it's a tough situation. And, and looking at Winston, too, he's still only 27 years old. Again, yeah. that's it's not, you know, it's not – young but it's not old either if you're him and you say hey, listen i'll sign a three-year deal hit the market again when i'm 30 hope things look better and then you you know you're not you're not going to cash in like any of these other quarterbacks but you're still going to look at a pretty decent scenario there so to me you know that's probably his best course of action and i think it's a good course of action for the saints just because it's probably going to be the cheapest option in a cap strap year if i'm trying to get paid as a player and i'm a free agent especially someone if, especially like a Jameis winston or even a leonard Fournette. Um, you know, guys who are top 10 picks, former top five, top 10 picks that have money. You know, presumably, you, you know, you've gotten you've gotten paid. Right, right. right. And Lord knows how much Jameis got at Florida State. Uh, the, the, uh, but like, I'm just crab legs. I, right. Yeah, yeah, free, right. free, free food for life. Um, I'm willing to take a shorter, cheaper deal now, even if I'm an impact player, because I think in a year or two years, it will benefit me over the real long haul because the cap will go back up and teams will be willing to spend. And it'll be interesting to see how agents and, and players approach that because there, there's, there is, there are teams with a lot of cash out there. You know, the Browns, Colts, uh, Jaguars obviously can spend, but I mean, there are teams like the saints who and the Falcons who have no money. And so you're going to have to be willing to take less. Uh, finally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions, plus 450 to win the NFC, 9-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. They were 60-1 to one to win the Super Bowl this time last year. Sully, top three draft picks are number 32 overall, number 64, and number 96. Those are easy to figure out. They have a ton of free agents. Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Rob Gronkowski, Indomitian Sue, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Brown. That's like a superstar uh, list of, you know, if you're like busting out like a fantasy football team, you know, I, I don't know that it's like a 2021 superstar list, but I mean, it's a, that's a pretty good list. And the Buccaneers actually sitting on a pretty nice uh, $24 million in cap space. Jason Light has been given a lot of crap, you know, prior to the Super Bowl season, but man, you give them credit. They got a ton of young talent on this team. They have plenty of cap space. They just won the Super Bowl and Tom Brady's running it back. They, they're in as good of a spot as you can be for a defending champion, maybe outside of the Chiefs last year. You yeah. know, you know, you know, it's just that they're in a great spot. But last year, the Chiefs were, you know, look like, and they probably still are well on their way to. I mean, the Chiefs multiple, just multiple drafted Patrick Mahomes, like it's, right, right, you know. exactly. Yeah. And so when you're looking at when you're looking at Tampa Bay, it and when you talk about their needs this offseason, it really you don't know them right now, like because we don't know what their free agency and their franchise tags and all that stuff's going to look like. You know, you go back to the parade when everybody's feeling real good off Bud Light and avocado tequila that <laughs> they want to bring everybody back and they're and they're saying everything's great. Well, that's awesome during a Super Bowl parade, 
But when you actually have to crunch the numbers and get down to brass tacks and some of these guys wanting to get paid, I, I don't know if it's feasible. So when I look at this, when I look at this team, I am, I am putting more of an emphasis on the defensive side of things and, and Levante David, Shaq Barrett and Dominican Sue more so than I am a guy like Chris Godwin, who may be a more quote unquote premier household name type of player that theoretically you would want to keep. But when I look at this, this offense, I'm supremely confident that Tom Brady is going to be able to keep a guy like Rob Gronkowski and a guy like Antonio Brown to help the offense at a much lower cost than what a guy like Chris Godwin's going to cost and almost cost me a guy like Shaq Barrett or a guy like Levante David or something along those lines. So to me, the number one thing that they need to address out of the gate here is what are they going to do with their pending free agents and, it, and really – bring back Shaq Barrett on the franchise tag to hammer out a long-term deal, Levante David, bring back it in some sort of capacity. That to me is the number one priority because if you miss those guys, well then it completely opens up your draft board where you have to go replace those, those players somewhere else. So I would do it like this. I would, I would uh, shove it in Russell Wilson's face by pointing out that, that, that this is a collaboration, unlike Seattle where it's a <laughs> autocracy. Right. And I would say, Hey, Tom, Hey, Tom, it's Jason and Bruce. Uh, listen, Tom, you're in charge of Gronk and AB. You, like, you just come back and tell us how much, they, like, these fools want, right? And, like, it, it doesn't need to be much. we got to keep it low. You go get them and make sure that they're back in the fold, and that'll impact our other decisions. Because I do think I, – I don't mind the idea of using the tag on, on Barrett, although it would be the second tag, so you're 120%. Right, so it's more expensive, yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say is that if it's – I think the Antonio Brown decision, presumably he's not going to try and go get paid anywhere else. I just, if only because I don't, I, he's burned half the teams in the league, like literally a quarter I of don't, them. Yeah, I don't think so. And I almost wonder, like, he had a solid year, but he wasn't like he was Antonio an Brown. And right. if you if you're Brady and you convince like let's just say Brady you know Brady technically he's got as of right now one more year left on his deal just in 2021 yeah. if you're saying to Antonio Brown hey listen Chris Godwin's going to be out of here that's a lot of targets I'm about to feed you mm, to put up a ton of numbers in 2021 to then go get paid I, I think that's a very compelling argue, you know pitch that he can make to a guy like Antonio Brown to not get paid right away take it. Take those short money now when the cap's not as high. When things come back in, in maybe a year's time, then you're then you're cooking with gas. I also think that there's a case that you, you're gonna like Antonio Brown's like, look, nobody's on my nobody's on my like everybody's staying out of my business here. Like I didn't even really get grilled at the Super Bowl. I'm staying in Tampa Bay. Give me a decent contract. Um, you know, I want some action. And see, to I think they're gonna tag Godwin. And the reason why is to, is as awesome as Shaq Barrett is in that. Uh, that defense, I think there's a better chance of talking Shaq Barrett into taking an okay deal for one or two more years than there is talking Chris Godwin into taking that okay deal for two or three more years. Now, maybe you can talk both into it, and maybe you can talk Levante David into it. I mean, Tom Brady had – that was – you know as well as anybody, Sully, that was the the lure and the effect of Tom Brady in New England is that you knew you were in the hunt every year. You were in – the NFC South is different than the AFC East was in, in the Patriots prime. And Bruce Arians is not Bill Belichick. And this team was a wild card last year, but breeze probably out the Falcons. You know, we just talked about these three teams. Yeah. They are, yeah. this division is the bucks to stranglehold if they want, I mean, if they want it. And if you have Tom, if you, if you're Tom Brady, you're like, listen, guys, was that fun last year? Would you like to do it again? Cause I'm feeling frisky. I'm feeling pliable and we can run this thing back. And I, I think 
like a Tampa Bay lifer like Levante David might be willing to do that. You know, he signed several contracts. He fits perfectly in that Todd Bowles defense. Shaq Barrett, you know, was a $5 million signing when he came to Tampa Bay and he blew up because of this defense. It's it's almost like I could see them convincing these guys like, hey, look, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna splash around a ton of money here. But we want to get the gang back together. It's a COVID year. The salary cap's down anyway. Come back. Let's win another title. And then you guys go all get paid if you want. Or you come back again. And so in that sense, I could see, I feel like Goblin might be the tag guy. And Barrett is the let's convince him to take less or replace him with Von Miller guy. It's possible. I just think that you have to be careful with, with, sure. with Chris Godwin because – you don't want to tag him, and then all of a sudden your plan backfires. And and I, I don't know. How about this? I don't think that Chris Godwin, as unbelievable as a receiver as he is, I don't know if he's the difference between the Buccaneers repeating or not sure. repeating. The defense, lose, the defense if, was. The defense is. Yeah, so I mean, if you lose those guys, that's where you start to run into trouble there. So and, and I'm looking at a roster with Tampa Bay where. I mean, I feel like the last like you know month of the season was there was a ton of you know late year love for like Tyler Johnson and, and Scotty Miller. Miller and you know those guys you know they're so great we just you know haven't been able to get them the ball I feel like I heard that quote from like eight different people <laughs> around the Buccaneers last year so it's okay you know if you feel that confident in those guys then maybe you elevate them and maybe you use that money that you were going to spend on Chris Godwin to bolster the defense, to, to bring in other players. You know, I, I, that's where I kind of get a little curious as to what they may do just because while Godwin, again, unbelievable piece, great receiver, I don't know if he's the key difference in a championship or not, which I don't really think any receiver. Is. Well, so I mean, let's, really I mean like Godwin. if you take Shaq, I mean, if you take Chris Godwin off the team last year, they probably have a similar result. If you take Shaq probably, Barrett off the probably, team, they probably like, don't, you know, like, like there's now they look, they had lots of great defensive pieces, but like Barrett was huge and his numbers weren't as big as they were the year before, but he was a really impactful guy, you know, and Dominican Sue, huge. I mean, Levante David, are they beating the chiefs without, without their pass rushers and their linebackers? Probably not. You know, those, those guys were the difference. So that's a, that's, that's a, that's a good call. I, I, I think the vibes are going to be so good around this team that guys are going to want to come back and play in a year where there's just not a ton of money out there in free agency. Now, and if the other, Chris, and if, the other one I think is yeah. interesting real quick, just to, just to sure. round it all out with Tampa Bay is I do wonder, you know, yes, they have, uh, you know, tor- they're, they're not like the saints or the Falcons. They have plenty of cap space. They can work things around. I almost wonder if they go in a direction, I believe you can cut Donovan, Donovan Smith, their left tackle mm. and get some, significant money and you know create i believe 14.25 million that is correct so, yeah 14 and a half million dollars is so you saying you, know, you move worfs over to the left side and then you could do something along those lines and, and then see try and find shakes out because a lot of these teams are going to be cutting these players if you can create an additional 14 million dollars move your first round pick from a year ago to the left side you are really sitting at a very favorable position where you have a lot of money to spend and you could you could completely give this thing a, uh, an upgrade off of a Super Bowl winning team. So I, I just look at that and say they are, you know, that's a sneaky move that they can make a little shrewd. No, the but- other one, the other one too, by the way, along those same lines, uh, OJ Howard, six, $6 million cap hit, no dead money. You know, you're bringing back Gronk. You got Cameron Brait, who played really well and clearly has a, you know, rapport, a part, even if it's a party rapport with, uh, with Tom Brady, 
you know, like, and it, and it feels like the Buccaneers have always been in and out with OG Howard over these yeah. last few years, you know, whether they're going to trade him or, or what have you, you're talking about, you know, let's just use those two moves on, on its own. Another $20 million that you add to your cap space in a year where half the league can't spend. Or, or I mean, or does, or does, or does Bill Belichick give you a third round pick for OJ Howard? That too. Or, and you know, yeah, one, compensatory, you know, whatever it is, like, can you, you could probably swing OJ Howard for a third round pick. Totally, totally. Yeah. And the other thing that we haven't mentioned either is, and something that the Buccaneers have alluded to over these last few weeks, is a Tom Brady extension. Yes. And that frees up some space there as well. That's probably something that they're going to have to hammer out anyways, not even from a cap perspective, but just I don't think that they would want this Tom Brady experiment to end after just two seasons. I don't think Brady wants it to end after just two seasons unless he's going like, full Thanos mode and wants to get rings in every single NFL stop and, and go someplace else. <laughs> he wants, he wants like, more rings in other cities. Just wants other logos on the rings, different colors, you know, get, get to get different rubies and emeralds on the freaking thing. I have no <laughs> idea. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But, you know, realistically speaking, I don't think he wants to end this anytime soon. And I think that he would probably be open to an extension to keep this thing going. So, you know, it would be, it would be, it would be in a good spot. It would be borderline stunning if, 2021 was Tom Brady's last season in the NFL. Yes. Like yes, I, he's going to, and, and you know, you're in the same spot that we've seen the Patriots in before where, and it like, you know, um, like we've seen the saints in the same position before where it's like Tom Brady is a, Oh, I guess Tom Brady was never a free agent. Was he? He was never a tech- uh, No, he's never been a free that last year was the first year yeah. he was ever a free agent ever hit the Patriots. Never let him hit the open market. Okay. So, but breeze has done this before where it's like breeze is a free agent, but everybody knows that he's going to sign back. In other words, if Tom Brady were to play out 2021 without a new contract extension, I don't think it would be the end of the world. Like, I don't think he'd be like, and I don't know this, but I don't think the Buccaneers, well, I know the Patriots, I know the end of the last, the, after the 2019 season going into the 2020 off season was, you know, the Patriots did not have the ability to franchise him. I don't know if the Buccaneers have that or not. I would guess no. I would I would say that Brady probably negotiated that he that you can't tag him, but yeah. you know who knows. I, I highly doubt it would come to that or anything like that. I, I think lines, it was like but. a little similar to the Philip Rivers situation too. Same thing with Brees. It's like, look, this if it's not going to get you know, it's like an honor, gentleman's agreement, which is a dangerous yes. thing in the NFL, but not really with a forty three year old quarterback because if like Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, you know, tax free state, warm weather, they let him bring in whoever he wants to bring in. You know, he's having a blast. He's he's running running up the legacy totals on Belichick. Why is he going to go anywhere else? You know, like he's not going to f- suddenly decide he's got to go win with the 49ers. I just, I mean, may I, I, I understand what the Thanos point. I, I think it's a great call. Like I could see that driving him. But like, I just think he's going to pile up rings in Tampa Bay for as long as he can. And maybe that's three or four years. But, you know, I, I just think. One more extension with Tampa Bay, lower your cap number. Let's run it back. The cap will bolster, you know, bump back up soon and we and we can add more guys. And then this is a, you know, I don't even want to call it a second tier need. Probably it's like a fifth tier need at this point. But if you're Tampa Bay, and like we just said, you're looking at a quarterback that's going to be 44 years old at the start of next season. I wonder what you do in the second, third round in terms of quarterback. Like, do you look at like Kyle Trask? And say, all right, with a little bit of polishing behind Brady, I, you know that. I just wonder if that. I think turn, you, you know, that don't. Conversation is had. I think you don't do it in the same. Just to, just to not piss him off. In like the opposite vein of Bill Belichick. Yeah, you're almost like, listen, Tom, ride or die. You know, because if you're Jason Light, your job's not going anywhere. 
You know, you have just brought a, t- a Super Bowl to Tampa. Now, I say that John Gruden got fired too. Um, <laughs> but like, it does feel like, you know, Jason Light is going to get obviously till the end of the Tom Brady run and then have the freedom to try and reboot it with another quarterback. Now, I think, I think presumably Tom will tell him, hey, look, you know, this is probably it. Although yeah. I guess he doesn't do that because he doesn't really know till the offseason. But well, one more point on, on the Bucks, really quickly. So yep. uh, Devin White, $8 million cap hit. Vita Vea, $4.7 million. Tristan Wurst, $3.68. Carlton Davis, $2.75. I'm just hitting some of the more notable ones, not every single one of them. Antoine Winfield, $1.66. Scotty Miller, $800,000 cap hit. And Tyler Johnson, $850,000 cap hit. Those are just some notable performers on this roster who are dirt cheap. Like like you are pennies on the silver dollar. It and is just unbelievable. Winfield, Tyler Johnson, um, Worfs, Carlton Davis, Vita Vea, and Devin. I don't think it, none of those guys are eligible for an extension. Like you can't even give them one. You're like, I would love to give you an extension, but we can't. We're not allowed you can to. Just, you, can, you can blow wind as far as you want, but man, it, it, they're, again. Hands are Buccaneers tied by the CBA, boys. Sorry. They, they are in a beautiful spot yeah. here. And, and like we were saying earlier, you could even make that cap situation even more favorable if you want to. And, yeah. and I just think it's fascinating to see what the rest of the league looks like. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of these guys that we just are shocked to see available because they because they had to be released because these teams just have to get down to this number before the start of the new league year. And if you're Tampa, you are one of the few teams shoving all and, in and that you can go all in. And not only that, you not only can compete with these teams like like Jacksonville and Indianapolis in New England, other in, in New York, the Jets with that, that they have a ton of cap space. But you also say, listen. You come here, we're paying you, and come win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it's just you, you, you have your pick of the litter, which is ridiculous. It's a, it's a lot like Peyton Manning in Denver when he just started bringing, like, hey, look, you know, we, you know, we got a good drafted guys, got a bunch of young talent, tons of cap, we got, got cap space, pay you, come on over, and you play with, you know, you play with this Hall of Famer, and you win, you try to win rings. Um, yeah, man, the Bucks are in a good spot. It's crazy. It's crazy how fast this league turns, and uh, Tampa Bay looks. No reason why they shouldn't be right back in the Super Bowl in uh, in L.A. in 2020, but 2021, but of course, 2022, I guess. But weird things happen, as we know. Sully, thanks as always, buddy. We uh, appreciate it. Great stuff. And uh, talk to you soon, man.